So this is continuing with part three, which is truth in a digital world. We're talking about um, how last week, if you recall, if you were here, we talked about what our culture, what our world talks about when they talk about truth. If they even you know, say that truth is something that exists, a lot of times it revolves around their own experience or what, what they prefer, their preferences. Truth is what I make it to be or what I've experienced or um, you live your truth and I'll live my truth and we'll speak our truths and all that. So there, there's a lot of relativism in the truth. We also talked a lot about how difficult it can be to know who to trust, like who is telling the truth. Um, and. and with, with things that are going on right now in the news, I don't know if you've if kept up, but there's a lot of things coming out on Twitter about how Twitter was used and wasn't used and how it's been. There's a lot of, a lot of like, what's true? Who's, who's lying? Who's trying to deceive? And who is, we um, feel manipulated. And so there's a, there's a need for us to establish what is true. Uh, we talked about uh, our objective was we wanted to define truth and think about truth biblically. And then th that will help us as we think through uh, these arguments that our culture will give. Uh, we're going to see uh, later that, that technology and the internet kind of facilitates this belief about truth that, that truth is relative, that it is whatever is popular, that it's whatever is convenient. And internet kind of can facilitate us really believing that even as Christians. So we want to be careful with how we use our internet and technology. So if you look on page two, this is where we left off, we're talking about, okay, thinking about what, is, what does God say about truth? Um, letter A was God is truth. Uh, we read John 14, 6. Jesus said, I am the way and the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. And we have we have the Holy Spirit. It's called the Spirit of Truth in John 15, 26. And he proceeds from the Father. He will bear witness about me. So God himself is truth. He is the source of all truth. If there's anything true in the world, it, it's true because God says it's true. God made it true. In letter B, we said that God's word is truth. Uh, Psalm 119, 160 says, The sum of your word is truth, and every one of your righteous rules endure, endures forever. And then Titus 1, verse 2, In hope of eternal life, which God, who never lies, he promised beforehand that it was about eternal life. So God never lies about anything. Anything that he says is always true, completely true. There's no half-truths with God. There's no omission of parts of the truth that we sometimes struggle with with our children when we're asking what happened and they leave the conveniently leave the parts where they uh, broke the rules, leave that out. No, God speaks the whole truth, the complete <coughs> truth. Anything He says is true. Which brought us to letter C, and we haven't um, read this one yet. So Colossians chapter one, starting in verse three, says, "We always thank God." the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, when we pray for you, since we heard of your faith in Christ Jesus and of the love that you have for all the saints, because of the hope laid up for you in heaven, of this you have heard before in the word of truth, the gospel, 
which has come to you, as indeed the whole world, it is bearing fruit and increasing, as it also does among you since the day you heard it and understood the grace of God in truth. So what do we learn in Colossians 1, 3 through 6? What is truth? The gospel. The gospel. The gospel is truth. So that's your, your little fill in the blank there. The gospel is truth. The word of truth, the gospel. And that goes, it ties in to the next point. Um, truth is not only what God says, but it is also, and let's read Hebrews 6, 13 through 18. For when God made a promise to Abraham, since he had no one greater by whom to swear, he swore by himself, saying, Surely I will bless you and multiply you. And thus Abraham, having waited patiently, obtained the promise. For people swear by something greater than themselves, and in all their disputes an oath is final for confirmation. So when God desired to show more convincingly to the heirs of the promise the unchangeable character of his purpose, he guaranteed it with an oath, so that by two unchangeable things in which it is impossible for God to lie, we who have fled for refuge might have strong encouragement to hold fast to the hope set before us. So here we have God. <coughs> we learned that God is truth. We know this. But it's not just something that God says. What else do we see God doing there that is true? unchangeable so God says to Abraham makes a promise and then what does he do he does it yeah so he follows through truth is not just something that we say or something that God says it's it's everything God does so when he makes a promise to Abraham he brings it to completion so Truth is not only what God says, it, it is also active, is what I was thinking of. <coughs> um, truth is something that, that God does. And the next point here, and this is where we'll spend some, some more time, look at page three, something that we are to do. 1 John 5, sorry, 1 John 1, 5 through 10. This is the message that we have heard from him and proclaim to you that God is light and in him is no darkness at all. If we say we have fellowship with him while we walk in darkness, we lie and do not practice the truth. But if we walk in the light as he is in the light, we have fellowship with one another. And the blood of Jesus his son cleanses us from all sin. If we say we have no sin, we deceive ourselves and the truth is not in us. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and true and just to forgive us our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. If we say we have not sinned, we make him a liar and his word is not in us. So, truth is something that we, we, we believe. What God says is true, but there's an element where we have to walk in truth. And if we don't, what is the 
What does that signal? God is not. <coughs> That's pretty heavy. So, if we're walking in the darkness, and we say that we are not, we say that we're a believer, and we say that we love the Lord, and we yet our life and the fruit of our lives is not lining up with that, we are. We can say that we're not walking in the truth. How do we walk in the truth? What are some things in this passage that we see would be indications that we are walking in the truth? Fellowship with Him. Fellowship. Yeah, fellowship with the Lord. Mm-hmm. Fellowship with the the church. It's one of those things where. Uh, what, what do you say to someone who says, well, I, I love the Lord, but I just don't go to church because it's just, I, I'd rather worship God in nature. I'd go out. It's good hunting time. I'm going to go and worship the Lord in nature. Well, according to the text here, what, what's wrong with that? We have to have fellowship together. What else? We need to recognize and confess our sins. Yeah, confession of sin. Miles, what are you going to do? Along the same lines, I was going to say acknowledgement and awareness of our sin, Mm -hmm. that we are sinners. Right. And and what we do with that sin, we confess to the Lord and we repent. We take it to the Lord who is faithful and just to forgive us and cleanse us. If we don't do that, we just <clears throat> say that we believe the truth. We say that we love the Lord, but there we're not doing those things. We're walking in darkness, making God a liar, which is impossible. So, who is who's the liar? I want to take a moment. Go ahead and turn in your Bibles to John eight. another one of those really well-known um, passages about truth, what Jesus says here. It's a couple of things I'd like to, to draw out. If you look at John 8, verses 31 and 32 first. So Jesus said to the Jews who had believed him, If you abide in my word, you are truly my disciples. And you will know the truth, and the truth will set you free. So what do we we know about the truth there? What is Jesus saying? Sin, and that's 
this evening, so there's no clear in that. Yeah. Yeah, so there there's some interesting implications of this text. If if the truth is what sets us free, what, what does that tell us about our culture? Because there's no truth. Interesting. It's bondage. It's bondage. <coughs> what are they in bondage to? Lies. Lies, yeah. Well, I think it's sin too. Um, yeah. The sin nature, who we really are. I think the world says that you can just um, your sin is bad choices or just selfishness, and that hurts other people. But biblically, sin is what separates us from God, and it's our very nature that needs to be transformed. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, we're, we're slaves to our own sin, easily manipulated by lies. So what what condition did Jesus give for being in the truth, for being set free by the truth? Believing in him and being his disciple. Mm-hmm. The only way to know the truth. Yeah, look at verse 31, the second part. <coughs> said to the Jews, this is interesting, he said to the Jews who believed him, which is interesting, if, if you abide in my word, you are truly my disciples. And you will know the truth, and the truth will set you free. So he's talking to Jews. And, and it's, I, this, this struck me. It's the Jews who believed him. But then look at what happens next. Look at verse 33. They answered him, We are offspring of Abraham and have never been enslaved to anyone. How is it that you say you will become free? I think the thing that I hadn't noticed before is, is he said he's talking to a group of people who believed him. And and obviously, as you go on into this context, we can read the rest of the chapter. These people are not like true believers. They do they do not believe that Christ is the Messiah, the Son of the Living God. They do not. They wouldn't say that he is God in the flesh. They, but they believe in him in this in this sense. And Jesus says, "If you abide in my word, you are truly my disciples." And you'll know the truth, and the truth will set you free. And and the crowd's saying, no, 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 no. We've never been slaves. We are sons of Abraham. If you look, let's continue. <coughs> 34, Jesus answered them, truly, truly, I say to you, everyone who practices sin is a slave to sin. The slave does not remain in the house forever. The son remains forever. So if the son sets you free, you will be free indeed. I know that you are offspring of Abraham, yet you seek to kill me because my word finds no place in you. I speak of what I have seen with my father, and you do not uh, say you do what you have heard from your father. So there's a, there's a sense in, in which we, we say we believe in Jesus. We say that we uh, are Christians. We, we confess, we profess that we have faith in Christ. And yet, Jesus gives a pretty clear indication of who is and who isn't. Those who are truly his disciples are the ones who do what? All the way back in 31, you abide in my word. There's an active part of being in the truth, or 
if your life does not back up what you say you believe, then you don't really believe it. You're not a true disciple. I'm not a true disciple if what I say is inconsistent with how I live. Now, of course, we, we all sin still, right? Back to 1 John, 1 John 1. If we say we have no sin, we deceiving ourselves. But if, if the pattern of my life and the way that, I mean, just to get to the, where the rubber meets the road with technology, if my, my habits on the internet are not lining up with, with what I say I believe about God and sin and truth and life, if the things that I look at or the places I'm going online do not are nowhere where a believer in Christ should be going, then I'm a, I'm a liar. And, then, and that's so. There's there's things like pornography, and there's things like like that are definite moral evils. That if I'm in, I'm going and looking for those things online, that's a huge problem, right? But there's also this other this other category of online activity where if there's nothing that is helping me to, to reflect on Christ. There's nothing that's pointing me to the gospel. There's nothing that's redeemable about the hours I just spent going through Twitter or Facebook or Instagram or TikTok or whatever, plugging whatever your favorite social media is. Those things, if they're not pointing me towards Christ, I need to be really careful that I'm not just wasting my time that God has given. And also, that I'm not allowing these things to just be on my mind. I don't know about you, but when I when I watch a movie or when I watch a TV show or watch the, the K-State game yesterday, for the next several days, randomly, I'll just start like thinking about that movie. And it will, I mean, I'll be like, I'm supposed to be like reading here, I'm supposed to be studying the word, I'm supposed to be, you know, talking to somebody or doing, writing emails, and I'll wait, before you know it, I imagine that scene from the movie that I watched, and I'm, there, there is something about these visual spectacles, these visual um, things that we're putting in front of our, our eyes that we've got to be careful about. <coughs> I think so. a key word to plug in with that is the word credibility. Mm -hmm. Your credibility will be impacted by your habits and the things that you do. So if you're spending time in the Word every day, that's going to impact your credibility because if a non-believer comes up to you and says, hey, like, what's your daily routine? And you say, oh, I start off by reading my Bible in the morning or at, end it at night, whatever your pattern is, that's then a opportunity to be able to share the gospel with them mm -hmm. because they might have more questions that you can kind of lead into. Yeah. Sure. <coughs> So, abiding, the, the truth is, is something we do as well. We walk in the truth, we think about the truth, we behold the truth. Talked about this last week as well. Every, every Sunday when we have communion, we're remembering truth. We listen to the word preached, Pastor Dave, and that's truth from God's word. The more things that we put in front of our eyes that distract us from, from those things, um, it is having an effect on us spiritually, even if it's not an evil thing in and of itself. 
So we've got to be careful. And we'll talk about that a lot more next week as we, as we get into more social media type, um, those platforms and how, they're, how they are affecting us. Any final comments on truth as activity, that we live and walk in the truth? All right, so here's where we're going to get into some interesting topics. But first, the summary. says, we see the truth is a firm foundation that Christians have the joy to know. Not because we're so smart, but because our God is truth. He defines truth. He reveals truth. And he does truth. If there is anything true in this world, it is from God. As we discuss two stand-ins for technology and the beliefs of our technological age, we will contrast our truth with the truth of Google and Wikipedia. And real quick, real quick disclaimer: when I say Google, I'm not saying that Google is the one who's actively like Google's it. It's a search engine. It's created by people. Um, but I'm, I'm going to I'm going to refer to Google as a, as a as an active thing. But it's it's a company. It's people behind it. That's the uh, same thing with Wikipedia. But there are certain um, underlying values that these people, these companies, promote. And there are certain philosophies about truth that they lend themselves to. And that's what we're going to talk about with these next few questions. Okay, so first, um, when, you know, in school, I think a lot of kids, when, when we say we're going to do some research, we're going to look something up, um, and I'll say, where did you find that information? <coughs> and, and they said, Google. Well, Google told me. Well, but what, what we really need to clarify is what is Google for? What does it do? It's a search engine. It's a search engine. So how does that work? You type it into the box, and it leads you to a long list yeah. based off of keywords that you use. So technically, Google itself is not telling you anything about these whatever you searched, right? It's finding things that it, that hit those keywords that you put in there. So Google's a search engine. So that's something that sometimes we have to talk to students about. No, 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 no Google didn't say anything like that. But I, it, we can't stop there. Look at the next question. How does Google determine what sites to bring to you? How much do sites pay? That's, that's a part of it. It also goes off of your prior search history too. Ding ding. Okay, so you got you both got the two things. So that was quick. Now <laughs> the 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 thing that I, I don't always realize and, and it took me reading through this to kind of put these together is Google is not going to give you the same sites that it will give me if we type the same thing. The same question into Google. And, and if you are in California and you type the same question that I do in Kansas, there are going to be different sites brought up. And that, that goes back to what Alex is saying about the relevance. Google knows a lot about you and I based on the sites that we've visited, the things that we post, what we shop for, what we say our interests are on social media. That there's a lot of information that we put out there, and they, they build a profile on me, and so that when I type in a question, type in something in the search, they are going to give me the hits 
Well, let me ask this. What's going to determine the hits that they give me? What's their goal? Probably the algorithms that they set up. What is the algorithm trying to do? Maybe trying to predict. It's, it's tailored to me because they want me to continue to look at it. They want me to spend as much time looking through those hits as possible. So they're going to pick the things they think I want to see based on all my history, based on my age, my race, where I live, my political views that I've espoused and posted about. Okay? All of that goes into this thing. And they're thinking, okay, this guy is probably going to want to do this, and we want to keep him here, so we'll give him all the, all the ones we think he's going to want to look at. One thing that's, I've gone to <coughs> different search engines because I, I like to do research on early founding history, you know, our early founders and what they, their quotes were, mm -hmm. and, and educate people on that because they were godly people. And some search engines will not give me godly quotes, you know, mm -hmm. uh, while others will. So it's really, it's interesting how they will, they form their own truth, quote unquote, that they want to convince you of so that. I think along those lines too, what Katie's talking about, um, I was, and this is just a, an anecdotal example, so I take it for what you will. I think that those two things, when it comes to consumerism, so our, our, our own proclivities to search for certain things, or our own interests in like information, and um, so like basically the higher, highest paying websites, those two things are important for when they're trying to sell you something. But I think also ideologically, there are certain proclivities that these organizations have. So for instance, I was searching up, uh, can say searching up just like this. I was searching up uh, <laughs> um, Kansans for life. I literally typed in Kansans for life as I was anticipating uh, voting this this past election. So Kansans for life, um, voter ballot, um, like information. The guy. You know? mm -hmm. So I was looking at that in October. I literally typed that in word for word, and the first uh, the first five um, results that came up were pro choice pro choice organizations in the state of Kansas. And so I think while it is true that those certain things do like mm -hmm. influence when it comes to consumerism, there are certain ideological positions that these companies have a bent towards um, and certain policies that they support mm -hmm. that impact certain search criteria that you, that you try, to, yeah. try to use on the websites. Yeah, I think that that's a, I don't know if it's recent, but it seems like that's a recent danger. Is, is there, it does seem to be more <coughs> of the, now we are, yes, we're gonna try to, to <coughs> Give you what you what we think you want, but there there is also, um, and that's some of the stuff that's in the news right now about Twitter and how things have, have been uh, either promoted or or hidden or um, so that that's I don't I, I don't think that's probably new, but it it's seems it seems like it's new and, and it's maybe worse, but I, who knows? They call it revisionist it's history, where they're actually trying to convince mm -hmm. us that mm -hmm. our history was not what you know we've been taught. Mm -hmm. Yeah, but there's an active thing now. Yeah, it seems more active. Where it seems like companies in the past were neutral, and now, like the last probably five years, maybe, they've really started their own mm -hmm. influence. I once checked out from the State Library, Colombian History of Education in Kansas. It was written in the late 1800s. I don't know how it could be Colombian history, but the, what they said was there was one superintendent of schools and he was a circuit riding preacher. And his job was to go from one school to the other, taking the census and making sure they were teaching the principles of Jesus Christ out of the Bible. 
and our first two universities, K-State and our normal school in Emporia, were, they were created for exactly the same reason, and that was so how it has changed. To know truth, to search yeah. for, for what's true. Yeah, and this is an interesting topic that we could talk about more. I, do you want to get to the number six, though? This is where the key comes in. What does Google believe about truth? Just the way that it functions, if it's just the algorithms, whatever those mean, that's it, trying to get you certain things, what, what would they functionally, what does that functionally say about what Google says is true? Google says the bottom line is true, and so currently, in the current political, socio-political situation that we live in, there's a lot of dollar signs tied mm -hmm. to diversity, equity, and inclusion. There's a lot of dollar signs that are tied to pro-choice activism, and so as a, as a, a corporation, it is, it is financially expedient for them to support those mm -hmm. particular things, and I think that if it was reversed, if we were in, um, the if, if we were uh, participating in the Third Reich Germany, and those particular fascist ideas were, had dollar signs attached to them that Google would very quickly switch, uh, switch ideological positions in order to achieve the, the bottom line. Yeah. So Google as a business is doing something to get as much money as possible and that recently has led to, it seems, an increased um, promotion of certain political views and certain um, moral views. So if we set that part, I think that's true. Let's set that aside for a second, and we just do, just do. If they were just trying, let's go back a couple decades, maybe, and they're just trying to get what you want. They're customizing your search to you so the truth is whatever you think the truth. The truth is whatever is relevant to you. You keep using the word promote. I just think the word manipulate sounds more accurate. It's not just promoting; it's manipulation. Manipulation. But we have to remember too that it's still a search engine. Mm -hmm. Sure. Like, I mean, yeah, you put in the search, the keyword, but it pulls up five things that you're like, okay, that doesn't apply to what I'm looking for. But the sixth through down will be. And and possibly, and we and we do have to remember, like, there's there are, we can guess at motives and we can guess at things that what are those evil people at Google? They're trying to do. <laughs> maybe, or, like like going back to what Russell said, there's a lot of money. And they're a business, so they're trying to do what's going to make them money. And and yes, that does lead to some bad ends, right? That uh, leads to some some poor choices, especially for, for when we're talking about the good of our country and the good of you know the public conversation and the way that we're able to stay together and, and do all kinds of <laughs> things that we're a country supposed to do together. Uh, but we. Google and, and and second Wikipedia, we got to figure out what are they trying to destroy the country? I mean, okay. probably not, because <laughs> that kind of hurts their financial bottom line. But it's more likely that they're, they're motivated by what they're trying to figure out. Okay, how do we how do we make money? Can I interject just mm -hmm. one more thing? Because I think maybe I've got a tainted attitude about this. But <laughs> in studying um, Adolf Hitler, he appointed Joseph Goebbels as his propaganda ministry minister. And Joseph Goebbels said, the enemy of the state is the truth. And so if you tell a lie big enough and you tell it often enough, then people will come to believe the lie as a truth. And so the thing that 
the biggest enemy of his faith. We have to keep the people from knowing the truth. And if you go through the, um, the Yad Vashem, you know, uh, Holocaust Museum or the one in Washington, you see, you'll see that the German soldiers were told, never tell them the truth. Always lie to them. So I, I don't know, you know, I hate to say that, but I think that we are being influenced in a similar way today uh, for a purpose. Yeah, I think we, we have to be careful also because, yes, there there's lying going on. There's manipulation and deception, but it's on, on different sides, too. Like, and, and we might say, well, one side's doing it more than the other side, and that might, might very well be true. We just have to be um, careful because and on my same, on my political views and my feelings and my, my knowledge of history, my whatever, it's, that what they know about me my side can lie too, and they know that they're going to give me those lies. That's how a lot of the conspiracy theories are being spread. They know what you're likely to believe, and they promote those types of things. In, and so, that, and on, so on the right side of the political uh, spectrum or on the left side, they know what you're likely to believe. And how do they keep you coming back? Well, they give you things you want to read. They give you things that you want to see on both sides. So we have to be careful as we, whatever our view is, and, and we all have, we all have, we can have a discussion on what's true and what's have that, but that's for a different time, different place probably. Um, but we are all, we all have to be measuring what is true by what standard? God's word. By God's word. Okay, so we don't demonize one side and hold the other side as angels, right? That's not biblical, right? So now one side might be morally better. I'm not saying that, they're, they're, that everything is the same. That's not true either. But when we view our lives and, the, and, and politics and government and um, everything else, parenting, families, and all of that stuff, we, we view it through the lens of Scripture because that is, we know that's true. And if God says it, and if I line up my the way that I live my life, the way that I work, the way that I parent, the way that I treat people, and the way that I husband my wife, all of that by the truth of God's word, <coughs> that's it. Okay, that's where I need to be going. No matter what hits are being brought up by Google. Right, Will, do you have something? Just to add to that, that's exactly right, I think. We have to remember as Christians, biblical Christians, that the truth is not neutral. But we see and hear everything needs to be filtered through God's word. Otherwise, you know, this truth is going to be held up as true. It's very easily manipulated. Mm -hmm. I think to that, to that end, too, um, I think it's it's stupid of us, and pardon French, but it's stupid of us as believers to assume that Google, or really any, like like you were talking about, any on any like side of the political spectrum, any source apart from the word of God is morally neutral. So it's, it's stupid of me as a believer to go on Google and to search something and to assume that Google doesn't have a vested interest that is antithetical or the complete opposite of a biblical worldview <coughs> and trying to promote that. Um, and so yes, we can use Google as a search engine, but ultimately it's, it's wise for us to recognize that Corporations like Google and corporations like this are controlled by the prince of the power of the air. Mm -hmm. They are not neutral to us. They are uh, they are against us. They are against God's truth. And we, while we can use them as tools, that it's just good for us to recognize mm -hmm. those things as well. Mm -hmm. okay. 
don't let your guard down and just believe everything that we see and hear and read. As a teacher who has the Google conversation, <laughs> annually at least, an important component is to use critical thinking to analyze what you are viewing. Because it is the same conversation. Where'd you get that information? I got it from Google. No, you didn't. First of all, you need to find where you got your source. Mm -hmm. It's important as believers to use critical thinking to apply scripture to the things that we are intaking. Because as Brock is saying, not everything is only evil all the time. Ish. <laughs> we could delve into that later too. But... <laughs> There's, there's value to a lot of things that we read and look at and, and research on both sides of the spectrum. And even the most right-winged, politically aligned, scripturally based websites and search in, or their search engines and, and companies, they are also playing the same game, like you're saying. They are promoting <coughs> their content, they are trying to increased views, they're trying to increase clicks, and they're doing that using keywords and phrases that we are searching using Google. So it's important to apply the, the critical thinking skills that God has endowed us with and apply scripture in that way when we are consuming whatever it is that we are consuming for whatever purpose we are consuming it. Yeah. Yeah. And, and one thing that I think going along with, with what Russell said and what Marcy said, there's, there's always, um, you cannot, uh, let's see, it would not be wise for us to passively just take in things. Even if it is seemingly, you know, not terrible, we, we just have to be careful. We have to be careful what we're taking in. I think there were even, there were even times, like in college, where I would read, like, the Gospel Coalition, for instance, like in 2010, where it was just like, oh, this is a Gospel Coalition post. Mm -hmm. you know, this and the guard a, comes down. Yeah, seriously, right. this, is, this is a D4D post or whatever. You know, I would, I would look at that stuff uncritically. And I think that over the course of time, you, you realize that while there while there are good there are good articles, there is good information. Like there's just as many false <laughs> false narratives in there too. So. Uh, one thing I found, like when I do like research for like agriculture stuff at work, like say new practice or something, the thing that's been kind of hard for me is like you know um, you got to look at say like the research is done at universities. They don't just do the research because it's the best thing to research. It's what they can find the money to, you know, mm -hmm. pay to the doctor or whatever. And so one question is asked by a researcher that kind of got kicked out of, like, the mainstream research. And he's like, it's not that they didn't answer the question right. It's they didn't ask the right question. You know, you know they're afraid to ask certain mm -hmm. questions. And mm -hmm. so it's kind of like, yeah. that's what's kind of scary is, like, you do... Well, you know, I'm saying, a, you know, a, a university or something. Mm -hmm. Well, did the, did the university ask the question right, you know? So it's yeah. just really hard to know what the truth is. Yeah, you know? yeah that's a lot also, of things. Knowing that, that they're going to collect that information from you maybe restricts what you will actually search for. There have been questions with, you know, like a current events where I think, oh, I wonder what that is about. And I'm like, well, no. You know that that reminds me. This book, I, I'm gonna recommend that we get this in the in the library. This is um, the next story by Tim Chowies. 
Um, and he, he tells a story of there, I think AOL, I think, is the, is the company way back when that just tried to anonymize all of this search data and they published it. Um, and then, but over time, people were able to figure out, I'm not sure how they did that, it's above my understanding. But they, they found out, and, and you can kind of see how people treat a search engine as like sometimes more, more trusted than like your closest friends. Like the things that people would search for, and and he kind of followed this thread of this one person, this one user, and it was it was tragic because it was a person who you could tell had some religious background. It asked like, what does the Bible say about um, pregnancy and marriage? So then it said, and then it, and then a little bit later, it's um, what does the Bible say about abortion? Um, what do you do if your boyfriend doesn't want the baby? Like she was searching things that were heartbreaking. Like you're like, go go to your pastor, go to your go to your church, go. But it was just he follows like how she went down, and and it comes out she it, you could tell by the way that she was searching, she was leaning towards going to get an abortion. And apparently, as you look at it, she I think she probably miscarried, and it was it's a tragic thing. Um, but the things that people search for in their search engine, I mean, that's never lost. It's never going away. That's forever in some virtual cloud vault thing. I don't know how that works either. But but that goes into what what the companies, these companies, know about us and what they'll promote to us, and in, in, in some sense, what they will give you when you search for something. But for the sake of time, let's let's go to Wikipedia for a moment. <clears throat> Wikipedia is the most popular encyclopedia in use today. And what is unique about this site? It's edited by people for people. It's by people for people. So yeah, anybody can give us five bucks. Yeah. <laughs> you you make it you make a little a little uh, profile and you can write an article about whatever you claim to know something about. Right? Who decides what's true on Wikipedia? The editors. The editors. Who are the editors? Then? Yeah, exactly. So, so there are there is apparently I didn't I didn't know this, but um, apparently there's there's a, a board of edit like chief editors. I'm not even sure what they're called, but there there's like a thousand or so, a little over a thousand people who are supposed to moderate the millions and millions of articles. That so that's oh. impossible in itself. But, but Wikipedia, the idea is whatever the most people say is true, is true. Whatever the consensus is of the, the culture is what is considered true. What's the problem with that? Let's, let me ask it this way. What are the vulnerabilities to having a system like that? Culture and opinion change over time. Yeah, wild inconsistencies, right? It can change over... A, couple of months or a couple of sometimes days you know there, things are changing there are certain advantages to like being able to correct those things like um, this is another thing that that if you uh, read this book uh, Charlie's will talk about um, how when, when maybe a famous person dies like in moments that the Wikipedia page is updated and when that's accurate that's cool I mean that's that's nice a, a typical encyclopedia wouldn't do that 
Right? They don't update themselves very often when you, especially when you get the hardback ones that you used to get the traveling salesman would come to your house and you look at it, you know. But you'd have to wait probably a few years before you'd get, you save enough money to get another set of encyclopedias. But on Wikipedia, you can make it as much more quicker to update. Um, there's more room in a, in a typical encyclopedia, you know, maybe a little bit of space to put in a lot of true facts. But at Wikipedia, you can make it as long as you want to. But the vulnerabilities, one of the vulnerabilities that Tim Challies brings up is um, there was a, a man who developed this, a way to kind of reveal who's making these edits. And there's a lot of edits being made by companies who are influencing and correcting and blacklisting articles that don't make their company look good. Or celebrities and political figures were editing and changing things to make it look better than what was true, to suppress things that didn't look good on them and to influence and promote things that did look good. There are all kinds of um, manipulation tactics that, that, can, that are used on Wikipedia. Uh, I was friends with person, well, she's more like a co-worker for a while, and she did on the side, she actually edited Wikipedia, like, got paid for it, and she edited the history stuff, and she said that it was actually kind of scary, because she would be going and trying to edit the history <coughs> stuff based off of, like, research and mm -hmm. books and stuff like that, that she was doing on the side, but people kept trying to change it to meet their, like, personal political standards or whatever, about like these people, oh look at how addicted to drugs the founders were or whatever, when she was like trying to get in there the truth, but then like from her research anyway. So it also, they change it to their political standard and also the knowledge is limited, especially like on her end, humans we have very limited knowledge. And uh, so her edits, she was also always scared that her knowledge was limited and false because yeah. it's just based off of documents that were written by people who may have had biases and, you know. And to, the, to their credit, Wikipedia does like lock some of them. So when they realize that some of that's going on, they will lock an article so that, they, that people, nobody can just put in a bunch of false information. Um, but again, we're talking about you know, not very many people that have that ability. Uh, and the other, the other question is the, the question of authority. Um, who should be the ones talking about a, a particular topic? Anybody, or do do you need Anyone to have some that's expertise? Anybody with that? Their version. Yeah. So that this this denigration of what truth means leads more easily to well, oh, my opinion is just as good as yours, professor, who studied this for your whole life, and I'm you know twenty year old college student. And I, why wouldn't my perspective be as good as yours? There, there's a lot of, if truth is relative, if I have my truth and you have your truth, and we'll just agree to disagree, but my truth is better than yours. There, if that is the case, then why don't I just make a Wikipedia article just to let you all know how brilliant I am? And I think, just to take that one step further, and I think this kind of leads into, you know, and a bit, but, you know, it's what you're saying. It, it's basically taking the foundation out from all truth. I mean, so that 
So no authority is an authority, um, much less scripture. <coughs> and so I think it's done exactly what Satan has set out to do. Um, it's upset our whole willingness to say there is an authority or an authoritative source. I mean, I think COVID really drove that home and all sorts of things, all sorts of misinformation is out there and all sorts of, you know, everybody's an expert. Mm-hmm. And, and no one person is right. Yeah. You know, it's <coughs> and so it's hard to sit back and say, well, we rely on scripture. Oh yeah? <laughs> scripture was written by men. Mm-hmm. You know, we know that men lie. You know, I mean, it just it just feeds into that already existing doubt. Yeah. We're very, very uh, distrusting culture right now. How do you deal? So I, I just have a question though. So, I because I know that like within the within the realms of scripture, you have and I brought this up I think last time too. You have the Berean Church, like the, the Berean believers who receive Paul, and they don't instantly assume his credibility, right? So they, they don't say, "Oh, you're an apostle from God." You know, let me just take every single word that you are saying and just believe it up front. You know what I'm saying? So like, how do we how do we reconcile as believers this kind of dichotomy or this this comparison between like. Um, you, you know, whereas we need to we need to reckon everything with scripture with the truth. Like we need we need to not question everything, but make sure that we verify, right? Trust but verify, um, kind of deal. But also like deal with authority figures in in the way that we're we're supposed to. Like we are sub- supposed to submit to authority, right? Mm-hmm. We're supposed to do those things, but we're also not supposed to be um, ignorant. Mm-hmm. You know, so w- when we're talking about even s- spiritual things, right? We might have disagreements. Um, I don't have a master's degree in in divinity, right? I'm not a I'm not a master of divinity student, and so I don't have that expertise necessarily. But that doesn't disqualify me from having the information that I need in order to make um, informed decisions about what I believe about the Bible. You know what I'm saying? So yeah. how do we reconcile these two things, like um, as believers, without being uh, confrontational or um, like standing our ground on our convictions without without being Yeah, that's. I think that's a great question. That that maybe is something that we need to really take a look at, especially when we we talk about social media and all and the way that we talk to people about that. The and it goes back to things that we believe about scripture. Is is scripture clear enough for us to understand what God is meaning for us to understand? Yeah. Do I need to have a seminary degree to be able to determine what is biblical in something? No. So. So there is, God gives us the Spirit, and the Spirit leads us into all truth. So we read Scripture. So I, I think we, we're going to have to do some, some checking into our, what are my motivations when I go into a conversation? Um, am I trying to, to pass myself off as a, an authority on this topic? Or am I, am I pointing to the authority of the Word of God? Saying, well, this is what Scripture says. And this is why, why, why God gave us scripture so that we can know his will, we can know what we need to know for life and godliness. There's a lot of um, motivations that, that would be um, good to look in, and there's going to be a lot of particulars about that. But I think depending on what, what our goals in are going into the conversation and um, why I'm wanting to have this debate, because sometimes debate is necessary. Right, debate is good when it's held in good faith, and when we're seeking to know better 
the truth of God's word. Um, if I insist that I know the right answer on everything, then there's a problem. If I insist that I don't know anything and you really can't know the answer, that's a problem. So I mean, that's a good that's a good lead in because we're running out of time quickly. That's a good lead into what as we go into this next couple of weeks about social media and, and the, the claims that are made and the responsibility that we have to exercise discernment and godly judgment. Um, that's something that we try to look at how you're evaluating claims that you see as you engage on, on the internet or on in social media and that can be a, a good discussion that we can have uh, going forward. Is, Peggy, did you want to say something? I just wanted to say, I mean, we read, Jesus said, you know, you know him, you shall know the truth and the truth will set you free. Mm -hmm. And if we choose not to believe the truth, you know, um, and we are looking for our own truth, it is going to lead to bondage every single time. Yeah. So, and it's very important that we seek the truth. We abide, if you abide in my word, then you will know, the you'll be truly my disciples, and you'll know the truth, and the truth will set you free. Yeah, there's um, a lot of that, is that, if that's where we start, that's going to get us, it's going to give us a good, a, a good place to be able to start evaluating what's true and what's not. Um, but if I'm just, I'm, I'm a proud man, and somebody else is saying something that, Oh, I want people to see how smart I am. Uh, I'm I've read my Bible, and I let me let me demonstrate or let me show how wise I am or how smart I can be or all that. Then we got problems because my motivation going in is not for for the good of that person or the good of the church or, or the glory of Christ. It's for my own glory. So there there are a lot of there's a lot of factors, and it gets really um, really individualized where we could have lots of discussions on this but and I'm sure we'll have some but uh, thank you everybody we'll come back and start talking about social media and its role and what role should it have and should we all ban it and burn it and no, I'm just kidding so kind of yes. all right <laughs> thanks everybody